What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void or Podcast. You got it. You're here. It's another fun-filled week. Yeah. And I hope it's worth it. I hope we're worth your fucking time, people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're back. We're going to be doing something different. I'm actually still celebrating my birthday as we record this, because technically it's Wednesday, you and just... it's on Friday. Right. So it's like weird because the last week's episode is still running. So I don't know. I feel a little weird. It's like we probably should have done your birthday podcast today. Yeah, it would probably made more sense, I guess. But whatever. We had Mike and uh, you just want people to love you. Just say it. Well, it's we okay. had Mike and Jordan on, so it, it made it that much better. That's not what I want. I don't I'll like any of it. that shit. Just come out and say it. Fuck though. no, dude. <laughs> Thanks. You can. You're the editor, my friend. <laughs> Anyway, so enough about my huge penis. We're going to be doing an episode today about two movies that we are very fond of. Uh, One that Patrick hasn't seen and one I did, but we're watching both. We watch both of the Gate movies. So Gate 1 and Gate 2. And I guess we're going to be calling this episode Who Needs Demons? As a quote from the second movie where he says, Who needs demons when you got chicks, bro? (laughs) This is so funny, so stupid, but yeah, so it's called Who Needs Demons? So it's going to be all about Gate 1 and 2. We were limited on time specifically because Patrick was out of town, not giving a fuck about the podcast. But other than that, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but I, I was pretty a... drunk, so probably didn't. Yeah, I'll just cut that in. How have you been this week? Oh, man, dude, I'm fucking sunburnt, dude. I'm like a fucking bacon strip over here. Yeah. We, uh... On our, we know that trip to Vegas was awesome. I mean, we I lost big, but yeah, driving down there in that Mustang convertible yeah. was the shit, dude. Gonna was... buy me some gambling, gonna get some fun. Reva, Las Vegas. He's rolling out, and it's like everybody's like, "What are they doing?" <laughs> <laughs> but it was really fun. I mean, it was a partly cloudy day. It was it was the weather was fucking phenomenal, and not only that, the desert flowers were in bloom. So like. Oh. You know, it was like How fields sweet. of yellow with spots of like purple and did blue you, and shit. Just out of curiosity, when you took this trip, did you mean like physically drive or did you take acid? You can't <laughs> stop here. This is bat country. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the ticket, take the ride. Uh, so that's so. Did you lose money or gain money? Uh, I lost big. Wait, you or well, both of you? Like, which one of you lost the most? No comment. <laughs> Good answer, Patrick. <laughs> you want to sleep on the fucking couch? You want to sleep on the fucking couch? 
I plead the fifth. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to dig deep here. That's that journalistic integrity I have here. What about you, Alex? What were you doing while I was gone? Uh, let's see. Stuff. No, I actually, <laughs> I actually been working on some music. I'm really trying to break into, you know... Some sort of music for movies and shit like that. But yeah, I've been actually kind of writing music. Um, been writing it a lot, and it's like kind of just flowing out of me again. But it's like I have to like organize my time so fucking much right now that I don't know what, you know what I mean? It's like I feel like I don't have any of my own personal like lazy time anymore. Right. Like, no more gaming. Yeah, it's like a lazy day for me is doing eight things instead of ten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just like things, it's like my mind's always fucking running. But I've been enjoying writing music. I've been watching a lot of different stuff, too, when I do have time to myself. But, but yeah, that's about it. Oh, sounds interesting. It is interesting. It's not <laughs> Vegas, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> I went to Vegas. <laughs> oh, I lost a shit ton of money. I sound like Vash when I did that. <laughs> you fucking did. <laughs> Hey, Vash. Um, by the way, guys, we do have a contest still going on. I want to friggin' tell you about it because we only have two more spaces left. Now, we have had a lot of entries. Do you want to win some free shit? It's as simple as coming up with a fake movie name. That's really it. All you got to do, comment on any of our social media, YouTube, Horamino. If you don't have that app, you should get it now. Any of the other social media or SoundCloud even, anywhere you can reach us technically, Send us the name of your grave plot idea, and we could send you out a free Blu-ray if we pick it. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be fantastic or anything. It, could be, it could be literally dog shit, and we would take it. Well, try to be a little creative. Well, yeah, let's, not just, I, yeah. let's not lower the bar here too far, okay? <laughs> like, let's not put ourselves in a fucking situation. The basket. Fuck! <laughs> a fucking basket! Yeah, if you better do it right, or I swear to God. No, really, guys, it's not that complex. Just think to yourself, this is how I do it when I when we write down names for our grave plot segment, we go, oh, what would sound cool? And what would I like? What does this kind of push, the title push it towards that might be a genre or subgenre of horror that I might be interested in? Right, or, so, or a title we've probably never heard before. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be great. We're not asking you guys to be writers. We just want to have fun with you and touch you. Yeah, we just want to... You know, if you're over 18. Just diddle you a little bit. <laughs> oh, It's a little diddle. All right. Well, I think it's about that time, Patrick. Oh, shit. Horse shots! Uh, just so you guys know, we are drinking on the side here. You know, we, we do our shots, but that's not all we do. You know, don't We're not fucking pussies here, all right? Just We've kidding. been drinking all day, pretty much. Mm, well, yeah, I had like three or four Micheladas. Michelada. Yeah. Michelica. Cheers. Cheers. I'm drinking uh, Dead Guy Ale by the Rogue Brewery. And Patrick's drinking, what is it, Patrick? Oh, you mean some Picante? <laughs> God damn it. He keeps saying Tecante, and I'm like, it's Tecate. Or Tecate. Whatever you want to call it, but not, not, not Picante. Son of a bitch. Anyway, so we're sipping on this. We decided that we would pick a shot that would embrace a character in the two movies that we're going to be talking about, Gate 1 and 2. And that happens to be Terrence. 
Little Terence, who was in the first and second movies. He starred in the second one and was a little best friend in the first one. Oh, you don't say, old bean. Yeah. Oh, yes, Terence. Anyway, if you didn't know it, he has a proclivity for Satanism. So we're going to be calling this shot Satanic Terry. Mm. So, how do you make a Satanic Terry, you ask? Well, let me just tell you. Are you using bananas because he's bananas? First, you cut open the side of a rabbit. <laughs> or goat. Whatever's better for you. Or gerbil. And then you take some 99 bananas. You pour in half a shot. Boom. Is there any symbolism in the bananas, by the way? Because he's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Terrence bananas. is bananas. <laughs> D-E-M-O-N-O-S. Demonos? Demonos? Demonos. It's like a demon bring a pizza to your house and shit. Okay, and then you fill up another half shot of some Jägermeister. So you pour a half a shot of that. We figured deer's blood, you know, sacrificial. Right. Satanic Terry. Satanic Terry's one of the top drinks made in every bar in the area. (laughs) In my imagination. Now you're going to be pouring in just a splash of amaretto liqueur. Dude, I don't know how this is going to taste. We'll find out together. We don't know, guys. We don't just... Let's put it this way. We're not a Bartista. Should we say a little prayer to the Dark Lord? Uh, Yeah, we got to do something special. I think we could do something kind of special that we can chant, maybe perhaps, to bring the spirits out of our drink, so to speak. That was weird. <laughs> I got really into that. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. But uh, I think it's time to take the shot, there, Patrick. So there we go. Little clinkety clank there. To demons. <laughs> it's not bad. Not great. I think the 99 bananas kind of cancels out some of the the of uh, Jägermeister. Oh, look. A little aftershock. <laughs> My beer has a pre-cum. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like it's It's literally foaming at the mouth. It was really excited about us taking those shots. Maybe... maybe <laughs> Look at it. Look, look, look at it go. <laughs> you better sop that up. Oh, dude. Oh, oh, you should see the way he's licking this bottle. Seriously, that was weird. <laughs> it was a little weird. I've not had, I've never had a beer do that like that. So yeah. it was ready to get the party started. But uh, yeah, I don't think it was that bad. It's not great. Nah, it wasn't great, but it was all right. It kind of had, it, it kind of tasted like a banana bread with some liquor in it. Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was decent. Like, yeah. I mean, it feels like a real shot. I think that amaretto is the one that made it taste like a little bit like banana bread. Might be right, yeah. Well, if you guys would love to join us on any of our horror shots, just head on over to longlivethevoid.com and check out the horror shots section. We have all of our shots there, and you can get drunk with us as long as you're eight, oh, 21, sorry, <laughs> or not. Maybe hate us. Write us hate mail. <laughs> you can do that at longlivethevoid.com, too. Tell us how much you fucking hate us. <laughs> anyway, that's it for horse Shots. Uh, just to let you guys know, uh, we may have or may not have possibly 
summon some demons. One other thing. It's the fucking news! Here is the fucking news! Okay, so we got some uh, special news for yous. <laughs> for all of yous. I got some news. Yeah, we got some fucking news here. There's uh, some new shit going on. If you guys don't already know, John Hale's The Conduit short film is still on Kickstarter at this moment. It's about 53, 54% ful uh, fulfilled or funded. Uh, on Kickstarter, which is enormous. Uh, that means that it's doing very well. Um, but we still need to try to help them get to their full percentage. And I really want to see this film come around. So if you guys are interested, please at least check out the Kickstarter. And if you want to support something that's independent, definitely check that out as well. But I just wanted to give you guys kind of an update on that. Some pretty cool stuff. Been talking to the John Hale guy quite a bit. He's very cool. And uh, since we've had him on, actually, yeah, we've had we've been we we always hit each other up with jokes and stuff. So pretty cool. Also, there was several different endings for the Blair Witch Project that came out in 1999. In fact, the first test screening was with the original ending, but a lot of people were weirded out by the ending because there was no witch. Right. Right. So a lot of people were like, meh, meh. meh, meh. But, but then it was a witch, right? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> I thought, I, you know, that's that's another thing about that movie that I really enjoyed is that they didn't show the witch. They left it to your imagination. Right. And when you let your imagination run away from it, you know, with itself, then sure. you come up with the most insane shit possible. Absolutely. One of the producers, I guess, was not satisfied with that. You know, after they had already sat for a long period of time trying to figure out how they would end it without ruining the movie. Because if they put in some weird, creepy old witch, it might get kind of... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would lose all of its authenticity. It would be like, oh, come on. You yeah. know what I mean? So they didn't want to do that. So they actually decided to come up with a couple of different things. They told them to reshoot the ending a couple of different ways that they could. Um, but a lot of people were really confused by the, the original ending, which we know today, that they ended up keeping in. But they had tossed around a couple of ideas where which included Mike hanging from a noose or crucified on a wooden stick man and one with a bloody chest. But they never ended up using it. Actually, the producer was like, yeah, you know, we'll let you keep it, but this could cost us millions of dollars. Yeah. You know, which is funny because the movie made $248.6 million, Ooh which is literally 4,000 times more than it costs to make. Right. <laughs> Jesus. So, it uh, seemed to work out. Yeah, you know what? And I really liked it. It was really just weird and kind of... It doesn't hold up 100%, but you still have to appreciate it. I've said it many times before, but I just thought it was kind of interesting to see. Like, I guess, I mean, I, I can't necessarily vision, envision, like, him being on a one of those, like, wicker things. Yeah, in the basement. It's like... I don't know. Yeah. It might have been cool, but I don't know. The blood on the chest maybe might have been a little bit interesting. Well, when you when you compare the two movies, the new one and the old one, it, it kind of makes sense, though. Right. They, they said that part of the thing was is that even though people were confused, they asked the audience out of 20 members or whatever, they'd be like, how many of you were scared? 19 of them would raise their hand. 
So they knew that they had something here, but right. they just weren't sure about that ending to give it that biggest punch, you know. So, but I, I, I like the ending as it is. I think it's fine. And I think people like you and me who grew up with that when they right. first came out, we're more intrigued by it because we grew up around the whole the hubbub. Well, about I don't it. think I don't think it's just I don't know. There was people around that time that weren't real happy with the ending, right? But so I'm saying, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's there's people that love and hate that ending. They get upset whether they didn't see the the witch or whatever, but you know that's always the debate. It's like what is scary? What you can't see? That's what's scary. Yeah. When you can't completely size it up, that is what's scary. At least to me, and I would think most people. Right. What's scary is not knowing what is scary. Right. I full heartedly agree. Yeah. With that. I, in my opinion, but anyway, I digress. Picante. Oh <laughs> God, Tecate, you cunt! God damn it. You're never going to get it. Uh, no. I do the same thing with Christina, by the way. She hates me for it. <laughs> uh, by the way, guys, so there is a new VR virtual reality game that has hit the market. Actually, I don't know if it's for sale. Called The Cage Cage. Cage Cage? Yeah. and what you may be, Yeah, you may be asking yourself, what the fuck is The Cage Cage? Well, aside from going to thecagecage.com to find out, you don't necessarily need a VR headset the cage cage is a vr simulation of what it's like to be trapped in a cage and be forced to watch nicholas cage movies so yes it is as literal as it possibly can get the only worst thing i get well you know that doesn't sound bad unless it was like the wicker man over and over it is part wicker man (laughs) well it's got to be they have uh movies of I think it was The Wicker Man, Face Off, Wild at Heart, and many others. So they have four walls around you with bars, literal bars. <laughs> so you're literally in a cage inside this headset or on your desktop, whatever you prefer. And as you turn, there's like a different clips from all his movies playing simultaneously. Wait, it's not the whole movies? It's just clips? No, it's just clips and stuff. Well, He said he spent like... I think six hours making it or something like that. Okay. And then they put it up, him and this other guy. Uh, but you guys should check it out. I thought it was kind of worth mentioning because it's just silly. Yeah. Because you, there's like a love-hate relationship with Nicolas Cage. If you're old enough, you probably love and hate some of his movies. I like him as an actor and a person. He's a cool guy. I guess. I don't know him. You ever heard him on like 98KPD? He's come on a couple of times. He's no. a really cool dude. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah you, you should listen to some of his interviews. He's pretty cool. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't know how to pick his roles, I think. He just takes anything. Maybe. I don't know. I, I There's some movies I'm like, oh, God, Nicholas, what are you right. doing? Oh, God, sir. What is... <laughs> anyway, but check that out if you guys want to. All the links to everything we're saying are below. So, in other news, Roman Polanski lost some sort of bid to resolve a 40-year-old rape case. The one we talked about that happened directly after uh, Rosemary's Baby, I guess. Yeah. Where he admitted to raping a 13-year-old girl. Apparently he spent, and Mike was right about this when he mentioned it, I think it was like 28 or 30 days in one prison and then like 300 days in another facility. And I guess his lawyer is has been across the seas trying to talk to somebody to say, hey, is it cool if he comes back yet? Is rape in yet? 
Like, <laughs> is rape is, cool now? Yeah, or? is rape cool now? We haven't been over there in a while. <laughs> you know. Hey, hey, things change, huh? <laughs> Trump's president. Let's fucking do it. Hey. Hey, grab everybody by the pussy, hey? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, no, that's not how the uh, lawyer speaks or probably said anything. And I'm not quoting anything, but I'm just kind of going over this. Apparently... They've been doing some, trying to do some sort of uh, bargain. Right now, Roman Polanski is about 82 years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty old. But it doesn't excuse rape, even though the woman who accused him of rape and vouched, and he even uh, said that he was guilty of raping her, she's like, I just want to be done with it. Let's just be done with it. Yeah, she just wants to move on with her life. Yeah, she just wants to move on with her life. So, and I'm sure it's been a fucking nightmare for her, right. publicity-wise, for her whole life. You know, oh, you're the rape victim. I wouldn't want to be in those shoes. Like, that would suck. It really would, dude. But, you know, she's obviously done dealing with it, and they're trying to use that as sort of a, you know, segue or a foot in the door to get him back into the country. Why he wants to come back at 82, maybe he's just getting old. Maybe he misses McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> no, they have McDonald's everywhere, dude. But no one has portions like we got portions. Uh, I don't know. I think McDonald's is pretty much the same shit everywhere. It may taste slightly different, I'm sure. No, I think, no. Actually, Warble, our friend in uh, England over there, he says that the portions are completely different. Really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, he's threatened me. He's going to punch me when he comes out here. Really? I believe him. Oh, that's good. In I the said, face or what? Yeah. Well, I told him I punch him while he's sleeping, so... <laughs> Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm just going to kick you right in the throat. Yep. Right when you're sleeping. Little nappy nap. <laughs> oh, what? You can't breathe? That's cute. That's really cute. What? You're well, you're grabbing at your throat because you're trying to say something. I see that. Why is your neck bent in the wrong way? <laughs> is looks, that the style now? You, you got like a reverse Adam's apple. <laughs> What's that all about? Is that the choking motion? Or are you saying foul? Is that some sort of is that some sort of uh, football uh, term or some shit? <laughs> oh shit! Uh, anyway, um, all right, we digress. But yeah, I don't know what the portion controls are, sizes or anything like that. But yeah, I don't think it's McDonald's that he wants to come back for. Right. Like I picture him like sitting on a park bench at eighty whatever years of age when he finally gets back to America. You know how those old people just like hand out in the park. Like, to the pigeons, they hand out bread and shit. Oh, yeah, shit. they got, like, a loaf of bread and shit, yeah. I, I picture him just, like, sitting by a playground, you know, handing out candy, like, to the kids. Oh, yeah? Just... <laughs> Sorry, that's horrible. Uh, yeah, that's disgusting. I don't know if he should come back. What do you guys think? Do you think Do you think the guy deserves a shot if the, if the girl who accused him and who went through the most is okay with him coming back? I mean, what do you guys think? Is that, like, too much of a gray area? Or say, fuck them. Stay in your fucking other country. You ran away. You should have dealt with it that back then. That's that's what I, how I feel. Right. Like, if you come back, you better be prepared to serve yeah, the did, time. Well, they said that in the uh, thing that they, they denied it because that there wasn't enough circumstantial reason, they called it, quote, unquote, for him to be able to come back. Like, there's not enough reason for him to be able to not go back to prison. So in order for him to come back, he's got to go to jail. Yeah. Like, there's no reason why absolutely. he shouldn't, especially since he ran away from the fucking police. He ran away. He fucking jumped a plane and fucking shirked all of that time. Yeah, he can't come back unless no. he wants to serve the time. So, 
But that's that. That's that news. Apparently, there is going to be a new alternate ending at the end of Get Out that you can check out on the Blu-ray that's going to be coming out here. It's set to arrive on Digital HD on May 9th, 2017, and on Blu-ray and DVD combo pack on demand on May 23rd. So expect to find a different ending. Should be interesting. I expected there to be a lot of extras, probably, because it, it seemed like I think they did cut some stuff out, right. you know, because they... Did you see the movie yet? I haven't seen oh, it yet. Oh, God damn it, dude. What kind of horror fan are you, really? I know. Sorry, guys. This is the time. Well... Like, this movie is so... I Well, everybody was, like, hyped up about it. Did that's, I miss something? Well, that's why everybody rushes out to the theater to go see it. Right. So they don't have to hear all that shit. So what did you think, personally, about the movie? I already did a review on it. If you guys want to check that out, you can go to the YouTube link below. He doesn't hand this shit out for free. Fuck no, I spent a lot of time on that video. You better click and you so better subscribe. <laughs> yeah, t- check that shit out. Other than that, there is a new Dune movie that's being written by the man who wrote Forrest Gump. Which is actually kind of promising. But yeah. you had mentioned, when I mentioned it to you briefly, you had said, what did you say? You said, oh, well, that might be that actually might be a really good, yeah. good thing. He might I, be able to you know, flush the characters out in a, in, a, in a good way. Possibly. I think, though, that the movie is very stylish. The original one that David Lynch did. Yeah. And it has a sort of vibe about it that I think has not been able to be recreated yeah. I, I, so it is very tough for me. Plus, what are you going to get Sting in there again? <laughs> <laughs> did you watch the TV series? Who at could all? it be now? <laughs> but seriously, did you ever watch the TV series? That was a that really came bad out? joke. Uh, I saw the TV one. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't as good as the first one. No. And I know that there are some people out there that did not like the original Dune. They thought it was boring. And I understand that from some people. The only Dune that I would like to see at this point is. Jordowski's. Jordowski's? Jordowski's? Sure. You don't know who that is. I'm nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Just nod, yes. Well, I always say his name wrong, but it's Alejandro Jordorowski, who did Holy Mountain. He did El Topo. He did many other movies that are really artistic and strange. And there was a documentary about him and his movie because he was supposed to direct Dune. And seeing his version of it would have been really fucking cool. Because if you see some of his artwork, it's very art house style, um, very deep, everything has a meaning type thing. Like things are purposely weird. Like, They're not just like randomly weird. Right. Like he like intricately is like on so an acid trip. What you're saying is like it's full of symbolism. Yeah, there's a lot of symbols in it. But anyway. Seeing that this guy is going to be directing, and I, I think it's a good thing. Variety reports on this, and they said that Eric Roth, who won an Oscar for his adapted screenplay for Forrest Gump, has been hired to adapt the Frank Herbert novel Dune for director Dennis Villanueva. Roth also wrote The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Insider, Munich, Ali, and many, many more. So this could be potentially good news. Um, but if you guys aren't familiar with Dennis uh, Villanueva, he is the guy who did the recent movie Arrival. He's done quite a few good movies, especially The Arrival was a huge one um, that everybody absolutely adored. I wasn't, I like, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't, like, my favorite thing ever. I was on the same page with you. My brother was, like, coming in his own mouth about it. He was like, oh, it's the best fucking movie I've ever seen. Right. I mean, it, they kind of, like, it, they kind of, like, did a long-winded version of... Close M. Encounters. Night Sh- no, M. Night Shyamalan. 
Okay. Yeah. It was I like a long winded M night. Right. So they were like, oh my God, it could be like M night. Oh, no, wait, we're going the long way. No, it's definitely Dennis Villanueva. But it wasn't the best movie of the year. And it definitely wasn't the best alien movie I've ever seen. I don't know. I was expecting a little bit more from it. Uh, it was still very deep and cool. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good movie. It's just it just didn't tickle my fucking whatever bone. And this is like a category that I'm really really into, and it wasn't right. one of my favorites. It is. It had a very heartfelt humanistic approach to, you know, like just just like that goodness, like that good vibey feeling that you get. I tell you what, I am looking forward to what. I'm not sure what kind of producer he is on it, but the uh, Phoenix events. Are... Oh yeah, we got it. We almost forgot the Phoenix Forgotten. The Phoenix Forgotten. There we go. <laughs> but yeah, out here in uh, Arizona, we had the Phoenix Lights happen in 1997, and uh, I wasn't here. I hadn't moved here yet, but my girlfriend had seen the lights up live, happening as it was, right in the sky. And this is like a legit weird occurrence. They have tried to debunk it. Nobody's ever been able to debunk it. They tried to say it was flares, which flares don't just stay in the air in the same spot. And they for don't long act like they act, like rotate. Yeah, they don't together. go. In, they don't make a formation. Right. That's a very military type thing. Oh, for sure. So the movie's coming out on the twenty first. It's uh, something came out in the news that a lot of people started paying attention to this movie, and they started using Ridley Scott because he's one of fifteen producers that right. are attached to the film. Now he's not an executive producer, guys, so that does not mean that he has some sort of creative control over the movie. But it did say that it striked his interest and that he was willing to put money behind it. And this, I feel, is a good sign. Oh yeah. Because if you guys have seen the ilk of movies we've had for the Phoenix Lights, it's not been so positive. And I actually was talking to the Promote Horror guys uh, about this. They do the found footage um, website. Right. Found footage uh, fan uh, website. I'll, I'll get you guys a link below if you want to check that out. But uh, I was talking to them about it, and we were talking about how I lived in Arizona, and I was like... I was like, all these other movies were talking about having bears in the wilderness. Like, there's no bears where this happened or anywhere near it. There are bears in Arizona, like, up north. Yeah, way up north. Like, way up north. Like, nowhere near the Phoenix Lights. No. They wouldn't be called the Phoenix Lights if yeah. it was... Uh... <laughs> it's not the Flagstaff Lights But here. yeah, like, there was one movie, and I can't think of it. I think it was called The Phoenix Incident or something like that. Didn't you and Cena watch the, that? Yeah, we, we we started to watch it because we thought it was the Phoenix Forgotten movie, and then we realized that it was called The Phoenix Incident, and we were like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I hate to put down the movie, but it just, it's like, with found footage film movies, you have to nail it. Right. There is a very thin line, and if you cross that threshold, it's fucked. The movie's garbage at that point. Because you've ruined the suspension of disbelief. You've ruined it. Right. So I feel like, you know, acting's really important. Like, if it seems like it's overacted, it's not good. There's, like, a weird balance of trying to make it seem legitimate by having errors in what you say and things like that. Which is good for actors that aren't really good at remembering their lines. But, and just naturally making it flow or whatever. But, I don't know. Phoenix Forgotten seems like it has enough money behind it that it could be a good film. And the fact that even Ridley Scott gave it a little bit of money to throw at the movie to try to make it happen, even though there's 15 producers, has got me enticed. Oh, yeah. Movie hits theaters April 21st, guys. 
So check it out. It was swamp gas, guys. Well, there is weird shit that happens out here, whether or not I believe it to be some sort of alien. I mean, they didn't leave any crop circles out here, so it must not be real. <laughs> you really go in there, dude. <laughs> anyway, so that's it for the news. All right, guys, so now it's time for us to do our most popular segment called Grave Plots. And if you're not sure what that is, we will detail that directly after this little fun ditty. guys an idea what grave plots is it's very simple we made up a bunch of names that we put in a hat movie titles or a hat that looks like a cup he he gets mad that i call it a hat <laughs> it's a because cup. because we use a fucking party cup soco cup yeah it's like i would rather you know one of those bingo things you know where you, you roll it around i seven <laughs> anyway patrick we make up movie title names we put them in a hat we draw one. If we what we pick, then we do have to come up with the entire story, characters, kills, deaths, tagline, and even make a fake movie cover for the movie by the end of the plot. So, without further ado, and by the way, just as a reminder, we still have a contest. We only need two entries, guys. All you have to do is come up with a movie title. If yours gets picked, you get free shit of your choice a Blu-ray, or an Amazon gift card, depending where you live. So, we'll figure it out. But, without further ado... <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> Shit. Without further, without further ado... Is it your pick this week? I don't remember. I think it was... I can't fucking remember I can't either. remember either, yeah. That's what I'm saying. You want to flip on it? I don't know, I guess, but I don't know how we do that. So you get to pick. All right, fine, here. Take the fucking cup. Take the hat, Patrick. (laughs) It's a fucking cup. Also, by the way, we do have some uh, drinking shots in there. So hopefully Patrick gets two in a row. Here we go. (laughs) Johnny on the spot. It's mine. Is it? Yeah. All right. So Johnny on the spot. So obviously the lead character's name is Johnny. Of course. Sounds about right. Maybe it doesn't have to be, but I mean, sounds right. Maybe it could be like... A story about the green, the Grim Reaper, who's always on the spot when you die. Hmm. Okay. And uh, maybe he goes by Johnny, of course. Okay. Continue. What would be his earthly job on this planet? Well, do you want me to jump in? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I kind of think of, like, I like the idea that you're talking about, like, he's kind of like death, but what if he's just like a regular guy that can appear at any point in time to help somebody? But it goes horribly wrong. Like so you think he's going to save you, but then he like makes it more yeah, like, horrible than it was going to like be. Like he doesn't even realize why he he just like suddenly disappears and appears somewhere to help figure out a situation that's gone wrong or that's happening badly, and then he has to fix it somehow. But he just makes it. But even he has worse. no like no superpowers whatsoever. Okay. But his superpower is just appearing where he doesn't want to be at the right time to do the right thing, but he does it all wrong. 
somehow. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? Like right. I don't know. I kind of I like that more of a spin than death because that's too. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I like the death idea, but that could work too. Like, how do we spin this into horror, though? Like you said, when he gets transported to whatever, maybe it's like in mid like calamity or whatever. And he has to like act fast. I feel like this would probably be a comedy though. And I really, when I wrote this, I really didn't even think about it. You're just like no. Johnny on the spot. Right. Right. Like, what if, like, because I think it would be something big would happen to have, have to happen in the very beginning where it's really tragic and brutal and gory. It wasn't always like this, you know, and then he goes into the story of like his childhood, maybe. Or and maybe- like, like, here's what I was thinking. Maybe he was like watching TV in the living room and he appears in his mom's bedroom when his mom's like having sex <laughs> with dad, I guess. Okay. And then like he's holding a dildo and he doesn't know why. <laughs> oh man, you went there. Didn't because you? dad didn't finish. Oh. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, do you get the idea that I'm having here? Like, right. Like, it, it could be kind of fun, but we could, it'll get progressively so worse. So you're saying when he, showed- when he was a kid. Like, right. this is when he started to realize he had this power. Right. It's not really a power. It's kind of like a curse. Okay. In a way. Like, he's made to do these right things or wrong. He doesn't even know. So you're saying when he's on the spot, whenever he teleports to these spots, that he has the tools to fix them with him? No, not necessarily that. He's just there to help the situation. And somehow, we don't know how he's holding a dildo. It's just funny. It doesn't okay. have to be... We don't have to figure out the science behind it. He's holding a dildo to help his mom get off. Right. It's fucked up. So it's like, oh my God, why would he well, do that? It wouldn't make sense if he went to another situation and didn't have something to help that well, situation. Well, maybe he does. I'm just throwing out ideas. Right. Like maybe, you know, maybe some lady's like upset that she can't take care of her kids because her husband left her or something like that. And like, he's like, I'll help you, ma'am. You know, he thinks he's a superhero, but he's really not. He's just like, something's just, something. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I want it to be a dark, funny thing. It's- well, maybe kind of like a, a Miracle on 34th Street where the guy he wishes for something different and then he sees what really would have happened oh, if they- he didn't exist kind of thing. Wasn't that Scrooge? Kind of like Scrooge, yeah, Scrooge. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So maybe like something tragic happened in his life and he's wished that he could go back in time or go there and fix it. Uh, I don't know. That feels like it's been overdone. Yeah. I, I still like the fact that he is a superhero in the sense that he could do the right thing at the right time. Sometimes he shows up with implements to help whatever it is the situation is, but does the wrong thing. Like maybe there's somebody like getting mugged and he kills the wrong person. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, and this is where this, like, he becomes like, there's, it's blurring the line between good and bad. Right. Like someone gets a flat tire on the side of the road and he shows up with a tire jack. Right. And he, and he does the wrong thing because he thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. As he's trying to get the tire off, maybe the tire fucking flies off the or car. Or maybe he thinks they're stealing somebody's tire. Right. And they're really just trying to change it. Yeah. It could be dark and fucked up like that. Right. I just like, kind of like the idea that this guy could appear to do the right thing, but always fucks it up somehow. Okay. And so now he's kind of like almost like a fugitive on the run and like sweating it out almost like a Dexter, but not as a bad guy. Like he didn't mean to do it. Like he's Urkel. 
Right. Like he, and then maybe he starts to do more and more bad things until it's like natural now. Like he's just, and he doesn't realize that he's actually just a murderer. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like this delusion where he thinks he's helping people because he has helped a few people consequentially or whatever, you know, inconsequentially or whatever. Yeah. No, I like it. I don't know. What do you think? No, I like that idea. It could be funny. I don't know, but how we got to spin it some sort of horror way. Well, like you said. So maybe, oh. What you got? What if he shows up and he's Johnny on the spot and there's some sort of monster involved? And this is how we spin in horror. Okay. Like it could be almost like Universal Monsters or any kind of situation. Yeah. Maybe he, somebody's getting attacked by a vampire or a zombie or something stupid. It could be anything. Suddenly it starts to happen more rapidly. And this is how he finds out that he's actually a good guy. Or maybe he befriends a vampire or, and it turns into like they start killing people. And like the vampire's praising him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm just thinking like how do we spin this horror? Right. Well, I kind of like the way that where he, he shows up with whatever tools to help him fix this situation. Right. And just befumbles everything. Right. Like, kind of like he shows up, like I was saying, with a tire iron to fix somebody's car and then completely fucks it up. And then it's like Final Destination where there's like a fucking hundred car pile up on the freeway because well, he, he goes up. to fix the tire and then the tire pops off and it slams into oncoming traffic. Right. And then the like. Somebody gets ejected out of the front seat. You know what I mean? Like it's and even like I'm thinking of this scene too, where like there's a pile up that maybe he's like being transported every everybody's car at once to try to help them, and just makes it even worse. Yeah, like he pulls a wheel the opposite direction, and it just completely like maybe he doesn't know how to control the power. Right. So he's just appearing and doing wrong things at each one. Right. Because it's happening so rapidly. I like, but I like. I think we need to tell the story of his childhood and how he found out these things briefly, at least in the very beginning of the movie. And that's why I say one of the first occurrences to show that this is a fun film is that his mom's being satisfied for momentarily, and then the dad fails to satisfy her, and she's just like, huh. and then all of a sudden Johnny's in the room with a dildo, <laughs> and it's like Johnny, you know what I mean? Like, and then it goes. But it wasn't always that awkward, you know, like, and then right. da, 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 da. I don't know. Like, what's another story of his childhood that's kind of fun? Maybe a kid's getting picked on in school. Yeah. At some school. It's not even his school. Who knows? Maybe there's a range that his Johnny on the spotism works. Right. Well, maybe like he's in PE and he's playing dodgeball and they're playing against girls, girls against boys or something is... I don't know, girlfriend gets bean in the face and then she, you know, he teleports her to kind of like push her. But she like pushes her into a wall and makes it even worse. What if, what I think it'd be funny, what if like one of the kids in the school, like it starts to become kind of mundane that people know that he has this ability and it just becomes normal. So people start abusing it by pretending like they're going to hurt somebody and so he's Johnny on the spot. And then they just punch him in the face when he shows up or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so he gets like angry about it or something. Right. And kind of like emo kid a little bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's like he's kind of like a dorky kid, but not like he doesn't fit in, obviously. So that he feels like he needs to prove to the world that he's a good person by doing good deeds. But he always fucks it up. Right. But it, when he's at a kid, it's not as bad. But something bad's got to really happen. Maybe there's like his friends are on the way to school. 
on a bus, something horrible happens, and he ends up killing, like, his whole class. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Right. I think, I, I don't know, I think it'd be funny if, like, the bus driver drops his thermos or something like that, and he goes to pick it up or move the bus driver, and then the bus crashes, and everybody's, like, all twisted and mangled in the front seat a little bit. They're not ki- dead, necessarily. Right. They're just fucked up, and he... All he needed to do is just pick up the thermos. So, like, his powers are, like, not really good. They're not really accurate. Right. At, like, the degree in which the importance is. Yeah. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? So, like, he only has, like, a couple split seconds to fil- fi- uh, to figure out right. this mouse trap. And he kind of prematurely does things sometimes without really knowing the situation. Right. Because he's so, just thrown into it. So maybe they're, like, kind of like Final Destination situations where, like, one key thing is the straw that broke the camel's back and you need to figure out what that straw is i think he he happens upon some sort of vampire okay and then he's actually biting his neck somehow like helps the vampire even though he doesn't realize that he's a vampire so he's kind of stupid to this whole thing okay so the vampire is like pretty obviously a vampire but you know for the sake of comedy he doesn't know so he sort of befriends this vampire it doesn't have to be a vampire i'm just thinking Right. Something that's kind of middle between human and not. You're talking about like some kind of universal monster like mummy or vampire. Anything, or yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be that. I mean, it could just be a vampire. I think it'd be kind of funny to do like a vampire one. I don't even think we've ever done a vampire one, have we? Not for great plots, no. Not at all. But it's like, it's got enough stories and subplots and things that it would make it kind of interesting. Maybe he always ends up showing up around these people that the vampire is like killing after he helps them. Okay. Somehow, like, he helps a murderer or a vampire or whatever negative thing that kind of manipulates him and they become friends. So he, like, shows up in this situation and he automatically assumes they should help this one person when really right. he's really just helping the antagonist yeah, instead and of the then pro- he protagonist. Yeah, and then he befriends this person so he naturally thinks that he's always a good guy. Right. Even though he's actually murdering other people and then disappearing and then the guy's able to kill people. Like, give me an example of how he would help a protagonist. Well, maybe he's going around killing people. And so he shows up. The lady's hitting him with a purse to fight herself off. And it looks like she's attacking the bad guy. Okay. So he attacks or pushes her out of the way. She gets knocked out cold. And he's like, I saved you, sir. Have a good day. It's like, hey, thank you, man. I appreciate that. As he's hiding his knife. (laughs) <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Like something like that. So it's like, and then when he disappears, the guy starts stabbing her. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying now? Yeah. Okay. Like we could go anywhere with this. Right. So he thinks of himself as sort of a superhero because he thinks he's helping people. Okay. There's a murderer going around killing people and he can't figure out why he can't catch this guy because he's always johnny on the spot so he's like why don't my powers work when i need them to for what this guy is one day i'm gonna catch him and all the time he keeps running into his buddy he's like man you really get into a lot of trouble man he's like i know people just hate me man i don't know what's wrong and he's as blood's dripping from his knife you know what i mean (laughs) do you see what i'm saying like i think it'd be kind of cool like that and so by the end he realizes it's this buddy and he's become so close of friends with him. I think it'd be kind of a funny independent comedy sort of right. movie. Not a big budget. 
Okay. But we kind of got a lot of groundwork laid out. We just need to kind of fill in some death scenes and stuff. Right. Like, I thought it was kind of funny, like we were talking about, some guy's trying to change his tire, and he thinks that someone's trying to steal the tire. So he beats him up violently with the, the, you know what I mean? The tire iron? The tire iron. (laughs) When he should have fucking helped him out. So he just automatically assumes the wrong thing every time. Right, and like, and that's why I think like if his buddy, his murderer befriend, it doesn't have to be a vampire, by the way, it just could be a murderer, Yeah, happens to see this, and he's like, damn, I like his work. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then they start kind of like getting into situations where they bump into each other a lot, because they both murder people Okay, in a way, but Johnny doesn't know he's actually not helping, and he's like overzealous, because he's a little crazy. You know, he's overzealous because he wants to do good, but he doesn't know how to control it in a way. So he like overdoes things a lot. I, like I think it. it'd be funny, like if someone's trying to change their tire, they're like, oh, thank God you showed up. He's like, don't steal people's tires. He starts smacking their head. <laughs> and it's just like a short segment. You know, it's like one of those little right, like uh, montage type things. Like, oh, he's he's like getting into it now, you know, like, I don't know. So what else happens? What other events? I want him to be violent in a way, like, and crazy. Because he's not a real social person, right? Okay. Like, he wants to be social because he wants to be liked, and he wants to be appreciated for what he does and his powers. But no one appreciates him or understands him. Okay. So, like, that's what I'm saying. He's overzealous. That's why he kills the guy trying to change his tire. Because in his mind, he's like, I'm here to stop crime! When really, he's just there to help people. Yeah. Do you know in Bloodsucking Bastards how they were kind of, like, friendly with the vampires at times? Right. That kind of camaraderie. Right. Like, he's in the lion's den, but he's like, oh, hey, Rick, what are you doing here? And he's, like, carrying a gasoline. He's like, oh, I ran out of gas. And there's all these people (laughs) tied up with gas poured all over them. And then all the people are burning, and he's trying to put them out. Like, you know, it's like silly like that. Okay. What does he contribute to the situation? To Maybe make he it thinks he up? goes to help him get more gas, and then he kills people. And then he meets him outside while the building's burning, and Rick doesn't even, or Johnny doesn't even realize. So, like, so Johnny shows up, and he's like, Oh, Johnny, I'm out of gas. I need more gas, man. I, yeah, well, not- he's scared that Johnny's going to find out. Okay. But he's like, Oh. I ran out of gas. Johnny's like, I knew I needed to help somebody. So he goes running off to the gas station to get gas and comes back and the building's on fire. You know what I mean? Like, okay. (laughs) Like, stupid shit. And then he's like, oh my God, there's people on fire. He's like, oh my God, yeah, I don't know. You should help them. Johnny, you're a superhero. And so then he goes in and he's like patting people while they're screaming and shit. And he's making it worse. Like maybe he's like pouring shit on them that's not, that's flammable. Or right, shit. right. Like just he's stupid got stupid shit. Like he thought there was water, but it's just another can of gasoline. Yeah, it's kind of slapstick, you know, in right. a way. But like it's kind of silly like that. But it's violent. Like I almost kind of like super is in a way. It yeah. was like super violent. And that was another uh, James Gunn movie. Right. He's so close to the guy. As a friend, that he doesn't even realize that that's his ne- his nemesis that he's trying to kill and stop. He's like, if I could just kill the fucking the pyro man or whatever the fuck he calls him, the like murder man, Manhattan murder man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Building burns down. All right. Next happenstance would have to be, let's say, something. It's got to have little mundane ones in there too. Right. Because otherwise, it wouldn't make sense that he would be helping someone just get gas. Okay. I think it's just funny that he's the guy that causes so much mayhem that Johnny always shows up. 
He's like, I keep running into you. I don't know why. Anyway, it's good why. to see you, Rick. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, yeah, you too. He's like stabbing someone. He's like, oh, I'm just mulching some leaves when he's really just like throwing body oh, parts. Oh, just taking a piss. He's like stabbing someone in the chest around a corner. <laughs> oh, you don't need help with that. I can't help you with that. No problem. I got it. I got it, Johnny. No problem. Appreciate the help, man. You're always there. So maybe he doesn't always he doesn't always run into Rick. It's just certain happenstance where yeah, he runs into him. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't I don't want him to always run into Rick. Right. I just want him to run into him more than anybody else. Right. And maybe he runs into a girl, you know, that he falls in love with. That he saves. He actually is the first girl that he saves. Okay. Something bad doesn't happen because of it. Like maybe she gets mugged or something like that and he trips the guy and hands her her purse it's the typical thing right and then he bumps into her later on and somehow her and we're calling the bad guy the murderer rick right right so we're just calling him rick so rick grimes i'm kidding (laughs) carl carl (laughs) i mean we want to come up with other stuff that doesn't involve rick obviously so what do what do we do so maybe there's a point where he comes into like maybe a mechanic shop and he sees like the hydraulics about to crush a guy and he thinks he's fixing something by maybe pulling him out of the way or pulling something. Pulling him out of the way or fixing something about the hydraulics, but really fucks the hydraulics. Instead of coming down slow, it just comes down hard and fast. So he pulls one guy out of the way and another dude walk is like standing underneath it. Right. The car or whatever. Yeah. Crushes him maybe. And, and yeah, eviscerates him. <laughs> he just snaps and pops. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like Wizard so of he's Oz. like all proud that he saves this other guy, but he doesn't realize that, yeah, he's not real in tune with everything going on. Right. He's not real focused. Yeah. All right. So maybe there's like another situation where some guy's on a bridge about to commit suicide and jump off a bridge when he talks him down, bringing him off the ledge of this bridge somewhere. Yeah. Like, weren't we going to kill off the like guy at school who kind of figures it out? Right. And that could be part of it, too. Like, maybe this guy's ruined himself trying to figure out Johnny. And why he has these powers. Okay. And kind of, like, obsesses about it. Okay. Maybe to the point where no one believes him, so he's just going to commit suicide. And, like, you know, Johnny, of course, shows up and talks him off the ledge. And then maybe, like, when he talks him off the ledge and he starts walking, maybe he ends up getting hit by a semi on the bridge that he was about to jump off. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, like, he pulls him off the bridge and he throws him back into the street Right. And then the truck smashes into him. Right. And he's just got blood all over his face. (laughs) So he goes home and he's like, I need a beer, you know, but he's still got blood all over his face. And it's like this music and he's like just sitting there watching TV and he realizes that he can't do anything to help people really. But he's kind of cursed with this power, right? So he still tries anyway. Okay. People don't like him. He eventually starts wearing a mask because he doesn't want people to know his identity because it would just make things complicated, you know, and like any superhero would, right? Right. You know, just typical day of a bad superhero. (laughs) Uh, So what about this Rick character? So how do we develop him into... So like Rick's a murderer. He's just like a mass murderer. Maybe when he, uh, he kills that guy on the bridge and he go home and he sees it on the news that they kind of allude that it might be this killer yeah and then maybe there's like a description and it's a rough description of this rick right but he doesn't think anything of it he's like if i could only catch this guy then i could prove to everyone that i'm actually a good guy and everybody will like me kind of attitude right him and rick are friends right yeah 
So they always see each other. He's like helping him out. He's like, oh man, I, I need to cut my get my way out of this. Can you get me a knife? And he's just like, oh, here you go. He's like, ah, helped another person. Always helping you, buddy. <laughs> and he disappears and the guy starts stabbing somebody. He's like, hey, uh, dabbing some lady or some guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's got to be dark and really extre- like extremely gory. Right. You know, because like Super was very gory like that in a way. But I don't think anybody's ever made a movie where a guy just shows up at the the right time or the wrong time in the situation or the right time doing the wrong thing yeah yeah we got to do something some more extravagant kills where he saves somebody and like a wire cuts through a bunch of people except for that one person he saves or like you know what i mean something like right. ghost ship or whatever it was <laughs> that was a great scene by the yeah, way yeah that that's what i'm really saying good. like It'd be cool, like, to have a scene where it's like, oh, no, like, I saved you, and it just cuts through everybody. Maybe, like, there's, like, an amusement park or a roller coaster that goes wrong, and he's, like, he shows up at the controls, and he thinks, like, if he stops it, you know, it would stop it from breaking down, but he really just, like... There's a second one that comes around and smacks into it and kills everybody after he right. leaves. Right, something like that, yeah. yeah. he's there. They're like, yay! <laughs> and then the other one just smashes into it. <laughs> yeah, it like beheads everyone except for the last dude who's got like body parts all over him. Right. It's got to be silly like that. I like that idea. We got to have an end all for this though. Like, I so mean, maybe the girl that he saved. Oh yeah, the girl. What would we call her? Jackie. Check it. Jackie. Fuck it. Maybe he sees on the news that she's been kidnapped. This alleged stalker killer guy could be. Yeah. Who have maybe abducted her, and then maybe. They kind of pinpoint where he's at or kind of like the area that she was from. And he's like, wait a second, Rick, why are you here again? Right. He's like, oh, man, I thought you knew. Like, I admire your work for a long time. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I know. You show up at the right time to do all these murders. He's like, wait, no. I've never murdered anybody I've never tried to murder anybody. I've tried to help people. And then he would, like, explain every situation. He's like, no, man, what your work is genius. <laughs> like, I love your shit, man. Right. Like, the way you work and how you make it work so you're never tied to any of these deaths. You're just fucking good, man. Like, I I really look up to you. In a way, we're kind of like partners. He's like, wait, 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 you're a murderer? And he's like, yeah, I thought you, what are you talking about? We're like the same, me and you. Two peas in a pod. I'm like your sidekick. So how does he allude to the girl? Does he mention it to her? Or does he just try to save her? Well, maybe like maybe that that exchange happens before the girl. Okay. And then Rick is like the only person that actually treats him really nice. Like a person. Like a person. They have really good conversations. They sometimes, whatever, like have coffee for all I know. You know what I mean? Or right. They're just always having a good conversation. Like, yep, just doing the good work, man. You're doing a great job. Doing a great job. <laughs> I really admire what you do. And he thinks he's a hero, right? But really, the guy is just looking up to him because he's a fucking murderer. Right. Yeah. Somehow he saves one person but kills 20. You know, like, he's that kind of Johnny on the spot. Right. So then he, like, befriends this guy, and he's like, man, I really admire your work. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not a fucking murderer, man. Like, I don't do any of that stuff. Wait, you murder people? (laughs) Yeah, man, it's fucking fun. You know, just silly shit like that. But then, like, his girlfriend gets kidnapped by this other guy because he wants to teach him. Maybe Rick kidnaps his girlfriend because he wants to teach him. 
that he can be a really good murderer <laughs> and that he is or something like that. But he has this dilemma because he loves this girl. So maybe it's kind of like uh, like old school, like, you know, bad guy villain with like the mustache tying his girlfriend up to like a railroad track and he tries to save her. He's like, I want you to try to save her. Yeah. And I want to show you what happens. Yeah. So, you save her, you're going to kill 10 other people. Right. Whatever makes you feel good, bro. He's <laughs> like, I just want you to do what you do. Now try yeah. to do it. Yeah, just do what you do. I have every faith in your abilities to kill people. Right. He's like, no. So he has to like try to figure out a way to save her and like make sure no one else dies or something like that, maybe? Yeah. Maybe she dies anyway and they just become friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like happy music, you know? Right. <laughs> What what's the what's the mount trap that she he puts her into? Hmm, that's a yeah, well, that's technical. Hmm. Is it gonna be like a jigsaw kind of a thing, or is it gonna be something kind of mundane? Maybe he's got her hanging, and if he saves her, then twenty people die somehow. Okay, but. If he saves the twenty people, so it's like an ultimatum, kind right? Of thing. She doesn't die, but. Or maybe she dies. So he has to give up his love. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. maybe there's a contraption where, like, if he pulls her off a wire, it'll shift the whole thing, and then 20 people get smashed under a bunch of fucking bricks. Yeah. Or something like that, you know? And and so he doesn't know what to do, so he tries to figure out a way around it. So somehow he grabs Rick and ties him to it instead, saves her. Kind of like Indiana Jones thing. You're like swiping out the the trinket with a bag of right, sand. Right, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, you know? Like, But it still somehow goes wrong, or maybe he like actually calls the police this time. Like, So maybe in, in him switching it kind of like fucks up his mousetrap where it throws Rick from this calamity and still kills the 20 fucking people that he had hostage. Right. Hmm. Or maybe she just dies, like his girlfriend. Like, maybe after she saves him. But he's got to make a choice between saving more people or her. Okay. I think that's a good idea. But does he just let her die? Is it dark? I want it kind of... I like dark endings, in a way. So he kind of, like... He kind of figures out that whenever he tries to help somebody, he's going to kill them. Right. So if he kind of figures, if I don't try to save her, maybe she'll live. What would that be, though? What would that situation be? I was thinking, like, a cartoonish-type fucking bunch of bricks are levitating over top of some people. And if any weight from her gets pulled, it'll trigger another weight that will let those bricks fall on people. So, essentially, if he saves her, he'll kill 20 more people. But this time, he decides to save 20 people, and she dies, and then he murders the shit out of Rick. You were saying, like, I like that whole, like, switching with the bag of sand, but the bag of sand being Rick into her position and so like kind of like the bridge where he kind of like throws her like he thinks he's throwing her to safety when really she just he throws them underneath the bricks with the fucking you know 20 other people who are going to get murdered too and then they all die and rick's still alive Hmm. maybe he ties rick to the wire or something right somehow saves the 20 people he saves her and then rick gets yanked up and torn in half or something like that yeah. Like one leg up, one leg down. So it's like, like rips some him kind in of, the middle. Right. Like in like maybe a body part or something that gets ripped off a of Rick somehow right. impales her 
or somehow like not. And then her maybe off. he goes over to say to like talk to Rick as Rick's dying, and Rick's like, "I just want you to know, I love your work, man." <laughs> <laughs> and he's like all bleeding and like it's like really bad. <laughs> he's like, "I just want you to know." And then uh, like he's, and then she kisses him and like. I don't know, like blood splatting on them. (laughs) (laughs) So I see what you're saying now. It's kind of, it is kind of like that Final Destination thing in a way. Right. Like he saves a life but kills a bunch of people. Right. All right. Yeah, I don't know. How would we end that though? We got to just make it simple. Let's not be complicated. All right. Well, let's put a nice pretty bow on this fucker. Is Rick extremely dismembered now, right? Something's. Well, he switched the wire somehow with rick's leg and somehow he like gets him tangled up in some other wire that's rigged to something else that yanks him up and yanks his other leg and he's like they're hugging and all of a sudden it just he goes to save her and rick's like what are you doing and then it just yanks him yanks his leg off and rick's just screaming while they make out at the end and that's the end <laughs> he's just in there just ah yeah yeah <laughs> And he goes, but before he kisses her, he goes down and he's like, I just want you to know, man. I love your work. I love your work. You're like, you're an artist. You're a true artist. Yeah, he's like, please (laughs) fucking save me. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this ended. I'm not dead yet. Yeah, and then he just makes up with it, makes makes out with his girlfriend or something like that, and that's the end or something like that. I don't know. What do you think? Can we do better? Yeah, I want probably, his, but we don't have. That I don't much want time. a happy ending for him. I want his girlfriend to still die because that's just the trope. You know what I mean? Oh, what if they're walking down the street having a talk, and like someone almost falls, and he saves her, and he bumps her into the street, and she gets hit by a truck. We've already done that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like something along those lines. Like they're walking down the street, and some random person has an issue. And his natural reaction is a saver, but because of it, she dies. Right. And then he just looks back, and then the credits. <laughs> so maybe, like I was saying... like, But it's got to be something brutal. Right, right. So like maybe he pushes her into like a den of bears in the woods or some shit. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> that's like, horrible. I don't know. It reminds me of Anchorman for some reason. Okay. I think he dies. I love your work, man. <laughs> And then he walks off with his girlfriend after saving the 20 people. Nobody died except for Rick this time, his good friend, who he thought was his good friend. They're walking down the street, and someone is about to drop something, and he goes to save that person, and because of it, she gets killed. But how does she die? His girlfriend. And you just see blood splat up on his face, and then it's the credits. And we could even play that song by fucking uh, I'll Be Your Johnny on the spot. <laughs> I'll be your Johnny on the spot. Coming on to die. I'll be your Johnny on the spot. I can't even think of what the name of the band is. So maybe this whole situation takes place in like a uh, like a construction zone. Maybe a, like a high rise is being built. It could be like, you know, one of those cranes with like the ball and the hook. Oh, like one of those balls. Right. A wrecking ball. Right. Hmm. And somehow just like this, you just see it swipe by and just like But he goes her. to help somebody else and then it just out of the blue just hits her. Well, maybe it can be one of the, the somebody working there. 
what would what would he be doing? I think though? they could be walking on one side of the street, and on the other side of the street, he sees a waitress tip over and almost spill her drink onto a customer, and he's just like there to save her, and he's like, "I got this," because you think everything's cool now. He finally won, and then on the other side of the street, something bad happens to his girlfriend because he decided to go save that waitress's. Right, well, he wouldn't decide it. He would be like, it'd be like a teleport thing. Well, yeah, but it'd be right across the street. Exactly. Yeah. So he, like, teleports across the street. Saves the thing. But what happens to the girlfriend? I'm thinking that something happens, like I said, with the, the I, whole thing. With the thing. wrecking balls, like, I, I don't know how we do, How? why would there be a wrecking ball just whilst people are at a cafe across the street? Well, it's a building being constructed in a, a major city, like New York or something. So maybe they just, some of these things break off a thing and fall on her right i i i, I literally want to see her get... oh what if it's like you know some bug is gets on her face and she swipes it and almost tips over onto the patron he goes saves her that fly goes up to the top of a building and is bugging some guy on a crane operator and he goes to swat it he hits the fucking thing the the big crane that's holding all these fucking steel beams just tips and breaks and falls on her. Or you can just have her get eviscerated by That's something. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it's just, like, so, like, just smashes it's her. Kind of like, poof, game over. It's just, and then he just looks. Maybe maybe he goes over there to walk back, and he's like, I did it. He's like, she's like, I think you got this. Well, and you see that fly go up to the top of the building. Right. Bother that guy. And it's like all these things fall down on her and blood splats on his face and he looks horrified. And then the credit. I kind of like that he's walking back and it's showing the fact that he's able to do good now without any repercussions. Okay. And he's walking across the street to her. And as he gets there, the fly lands on the guy, bugs him. He hits the crane thing. It drops all this shit on him in front of her. And you just see blood splat on his face after... She gets smashed, and then it's like, I'll be your Johnny on the spot. It's fucking credits, <laughs> credits dude. Yeah. yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I like it. I way, like it. way more impact than, I don't know. And, like, and kind of like the gore factor. You want to see that. I want to see the splat on his right. face. So you see her get crushed. They're smiling at each other, you know, like he finally did it. Like there's like, like slow-mo running back his, to her. His problems are finally fixed, and they both realize it's this happy moment. And you think that's the end of the movie, and then she suddenly gets killed. Kind of like, uh, what was that fucking movie we were just talking about, Nicolas Cage? City of Angels? Right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's a, yeah, like, what the fuck? Or right. Meet Joe Black? Yeah, where yeah. Where he gets fucking hit by the car? I was like, damn, he's got, like, bouncing around like a pinball. <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. Yeah, so we got to come up with a tagline for this, and we'll, we'll be done with Johnny on the spot. So. So even mundane situations need a hero? Hmm. Even mundane problems deserve a hero. There we go. I think that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, it'll be, well, I don't know. Yeah, I think that works. Showing up at the right right time and doing all the wrong things or something like that. I like maybe. that. No, I like that. Or um, he's got the power to show up at the right time. But, but do all the wrong things. Yeah, but it's got to be better than that. That's way too wordy. It's got to pop more, right? Mr. Right Time, Mr. Wrong Way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it could be something like the right time, wrong, or 
wrong place. Meet the hero that no one needs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Meet the hero that nobody needs. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of has like a like office kind of like Dwight super yeah like, thing. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Let's ripe a bow on this motherfucker. Yeah, we're done with grave plots, bitches. Yeah, I want you guys to know it is not easy to do this sometimes. It really isn't. Like we. We're never going to make gold every time, but I still think this is a unique idea enough. It's I don't think anything's ever been done like it. Right. We may be borrowing sort of things from other movies and in certain ways, but I think the idea is original enough that it's good. And, and just remember, I'm coming off a three-day bender from Vegas, so right. take it easy on me, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, but I really like this one, though. I think it was a good one. What do you guys think? Do you like what we came up with? Is it original? Would you do anything different? Let us know in any of our social media or in any of the comments. Maybe Horror Amino, whatever. Let us know. But now, I think it's time for us to take a trip down Flesh and Potatoes Lane for Who Needs Demons? We'll do that right now. guys we are back and it's time for our flesh and potatoes of who needs demons when you got chicks bro <laughs> just kidding it's a quote from the one of the movies that we're going to be watching we're going to of course start off with the first movie in the gate series which there's only two uh the gate was made in 1987 and it was directed by tibor takax I believe I'm saying that right. And it was written by Michael Nankin. Tiber Tax, though, Takax, he's done a lot of really weird, odd films. Like, it's it's weird. Like, he did My Babysitter's a Vampire. He did an episode of, like, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He did a ton of fucking, like, really crappy straight-to-video movies like Spiders 3D. Ice Spiders, Mega Snake, Kraken, Tentacles of the Deep, the Black Hole TV movie. I'm thinking of the Disney movie. Yeah. And what else did he do that you we were talking about? Oh, he did the Crow Stairway to Heaven TV series. He did like two episodes of that. Which is... I don't remember that. It was terrible. <laughs> is that bad? It was pretty bad. It was weird. Like, the Crow had a good first movie, and it was, like, interesting. Even... I can tolerate City of Angels a little bit hmm. because I think they use a little bit of Brandon. No, I don't think they did. No, they didn't use any of Brandon Lee's footage, actually. Well, Tiber Takis, he is actually the guy. And I, again, I hope I'm not butchering his name, but <sighs> it's not a typical name. It's not like Smith. And I apologize if I'm saying it wrong. But yeah, he also did part two of The Gate as well. Which are probably the only two things in his uh, portfolio. Repertoire. Yeah, repertoire, portfolio, or... Yeah. Whatever you want to say that are decent. Well, Michael Nankin, he's actually done a lot of different works. He's also a director and a producer. He did like some Battlestar Galactica stuff from 2005 to 2009. He also directed Hell on Wheels, a bunch of episodes for that. He did Defiance. He was a producer for that. Ooh. So, yeah. I mean, he's 
you know, he grew on to, to, to bigger, better things. Uh, it seems like more than Tiber. Oh, yeah, dude. Defiance? Yeah. That was an awesome sci-fi show. He did Killjoys. Oh, Killjoy. Uh, he does all these uh, shows. He did the Red Faction Origins TV movie. He did some CSI episodes. Battlestar Galactica, though, he did like eight episodes. So they had him on a qu- couple of times. He did Eureka, an episode. He did the Dresden Files. Uh, yeah, he's actually much more of a director after this than a writer. But for this movie, he wrote... Now, this movie does star one Stephen Dorff, who, if you're not familiar, was the bad guy in the first Blade movie. He's done a lot more than that. But I think Blade... is probably his most iconic yeah, role. like Deacon Frost was the young vampire who wasn't even like a, a purebred. Right. He was like bitten. Right, I think they call him like... I can't even remember what they call him, like Mudbloods or... Mudbloods or something. Yeah, it was weird. Apparently, he's also going to be starring in the new Leatherface movie as Texas Ranger Hal Hartman as well. But this was his debut film as a kid. He was, like, really young in this. And I think he did a pretty good job for his first fucking movie. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. They also had Louis Tripp, who plays his best friend, who's kind of like a metalhead Satanist, essentially. Is like a total, like, ginger nerd. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. There's a lot of other actors that were in this movie, but I would say that those are probably the two uh, main actors that you can kind of attribute. There was this sister who played Krista Denton, but I don't think she really went on to do too much else. And I'm fairly certain Louis Tripp was pretty much only known for The Gate 1 and 2. I don't think he did. He did eight acting roles. And he was in uh, Detroit Rock City, actually. Was he? It was one of the last roles he did. He was just like a nerdy background kid. Okay. He looks beast as fuck now. He's like bald with a full beard, which is pretty interesting. Before I get carried away with all that nonsense, essentially, The Gate, which was made in 1987, is about two young boys accidentally release a horde of nasty pint-sized demons from a hole in the suburban backyard. What follows is a classic battle between good and evil as the two kids struggle to overcome a nightmarish hell that literally begins to take over the earth. Or their backyard. Yeah. For that matter. This is one of those movies that I grew up with watching that I absolutely loved. It was freaky. It did stuff in the movie that was kind of dark for its time. And I think... I think it was kind of a really good creative idea for a movie that most movies don't take the risk on anymore. Oh, like for sure. you, you notice you see like horror movies they don't really go so grandiose because it it's so easy to turn into cheese. Yeah. And in a way this is a cheesy movie but they still kind of like they did some really cool shit right. in this movie. And I still felt like it felt, I'm not saying it was like Goonies, but it had that feeling where it was like adventure and horror. Really? You know what I mean? Well, that's the kind of feeling I got I felt from like it. it was straight up horror. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because like there was like a scene in the movie where there's like hands coming out of the bed. Oh, yeah. Like extremely large hands, too. Yeah. And it was freaky. It was like grabbing on people. That's like a nightmare that kids, all kids have. Oh, dude, I did. That something's in their wall, something's in their closet. I always they cover out. all of that shit in this right. movie. 
it totally embraced the child's spirit of like what scares them and and like just just how how you see shadows on the wall i don't know something about this movie they did a lot of um practical effects they also did a lot of claymation work they did not nah, they didn't do a lot of well they did some claymation some, work yeah but they also did miniature work where they actually built the sets like gigantic sets so that they could do these little minion demon things right and i thought that optical was, illusion yeah kind of thing. well yeah i mean they made it they synced it up perfectly so that the the room would look exactly the same as what they shot which is both. pretty clever because at first i thought it was stop motion animation well they do stop motion animation and that right so it's almost like they take two pieces of film and push it together so they did something right that aliens 3 completely ruined <laughs> probably i mean this is definitely one of those movies and even the second one kind of did the practical effects type right. thing too but it still had like claymation sort of like animation style stuff which is fine right like they didn't have a lot of budget they did but they didn't so what did you think of it though man Overall, I, I really liked it. Which is funny because you you told me that you only saw the second one first. Yeah, I've saw and it was like forever ago. Yeah, and I I kind of remembered just a little bit of it. Like I remember them wishing for stuff, and the stuff that they wish for turned to shit. Right, but this one. Yeah, I I, I don't remember this one at all. So going into it, I was kind of like I was amped, and I was kind of excited to see this, and it really did deliver every on. What I would expect it from it. Well, I don't want to ask you what if you liked which one you like more until the end, but keep that in mind. Okay. Um, what do you think that this movie did right or wrong? The only wrong thing that I probably don't want to get too in depth about was the ending. Okay. I, I just thought it was maybe just a little too cheese dick <laughs> because it just felt like I don't want to say it because I don't want to ruin it. For no, you're not to ruin it. It's fine. It just felt like it didn't feel like that would been a practical thing that would have happened it would it didn't seem like it would it was a happy ending in a way it was a happy ending but they both have a happy ending right i mean maybe it's not maybe it's a dream i don't know it could be i don't know i just i really this is one of those movies that really affected me as a kid it freaked me out there's some scenes in this movie that have like really cool like they did some really cool effects with stuff that before cgi took over Right. And it was, like, really ahead of its time, in my opinion. Like, I feel like the camera effects that they did, there were kind of, like, camera tricks and things that they would do to a per point of perspective, like you were saying, too. It was just really cool, like, com combination of a lot of different elements. Right. And it wasn't afraid to go uh, pretty far. Oh, it, it went there. Yeah, I, it kind of went there. And it's funny... Because there's a lot of really interesting information about this movie, who the original writer was and what they were going through. This movie would have been like a fucking nightmare, nightmare, like a nightmare, fucking a nightmare, like <laughs> while fucking another nightmare in front of a camera held by a nightmare. We're talking about <laughs> Raw Dog. Like it was like the guy that was originally going to write it was going through a divorce. Oh, man. <laughs> And uh, apparently, like, he was just, like, unleash the fury. Michael Nankin wrote the script while he was uh, unemployed and recently divorced. So he basically wrote the script out of anger and wanted to write a script about the nastiest thoughts from his childhood. 
And the kids were m- much more mischievous. So they were going to get into a lot more trouble and a quite a bit more deserving of the fate that befalls them. Okay. So instead of it just kind of sort of happenstancing and like, you know, oh no, like it was like they were just going to get brutally murdered, I guess. <laughs> uh, when Glenn, the main character that Brad Dorf is playing and uh wait Al, brad dwarf you mean steven dwarf steven dwarf i'm sorry uh steven dwarf played glenn and al was his sister when they captured the moths they would sit and rip the wings off of them the hole was also not caused by a tree crashing the brothers of glenn and al which became the older sister alexandria were trying to dig a hole to china essentially, <laughs> which is something Nan can actually try to do when he was a young kid with a friend, I guess. But their plans of finding China were foiled by a gardener who fell into the hole and sued his friend's father. So he tried to add that in there. Uh, the original script called for demons to move beyond the house and take over the entire town. So it wasn't just the house. Yeah. Um. When the twisting cloud, there was like a cloud that shoots evil out of the ground. Demons would then spread across the entire surrounding area. And there was almost like kind of like Ghostbusters, I guess, in a way. Yeah. So there were scenes of like the neighbors being taken out of their homes, dragged into the street and killed by the demons. And the hole would eventually grow larger and suck parts of the neighborhood into it. That would have been a cool idea. You know what? Like it probably would have cost a lot more. I kind of like that, though. Uh, the demon lord was more like a human-like stalking Glenn and Owl around the house made out of blood and entrails. Huh. Interesting, right? That would have been interesting, yeah. Eventually, it was decided that the, the filming, it was to be it would be too costly, like I said. Right. So they scaled it down a bit. I also didn't think any studio would greenlight a script starring a bunch of very young kids, formerly meant to be eight or nine years old. Yeah. And then surrounded by a bunch of brutal violence and evil. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. You know, the house in the backyard was also not real. Oh, yeah. That was all a set. Well, they did a good job. Yeah, they built the whole fucking thing for it. It felt fluid. It felt like one, like a real neighborhood. If you guys haven't seen this, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but essentially there is an album that their friend Terrence plays and he's like reenacting the music, and all of a sudden he realizes that this might be the hole in the ground. Right. And they're talking pieces. about, yeah. Because essentially what happens is Glenn has a dream in the very beginning of the movie, and he dreams of being in the treehouse, and the tree gets struck by lightning and opens a hole in the ground. And when he wakes up, all of that really happened, although he wasn't out there. So it's almost like he's having visions of all this stuff that happened. Then his friend Terrence comes over. They see a geode pop out, which is like a huge, like egg-shaped rock that is condensed from gas and like oxygen and everything, and it just forces these like crystals to grow inside of this rock, like egg-like rock. And you've probably seen them in stores cut in half, like laser cut, right? And they use them for bookends and shit like that. Uh, but they're like, I don't know. They go to find this other one and they crack one open and it leaves this stain on this uh etch-a-sketch sort of thing and then they find out that the record has the same thing and that record was a band called the sacrifix which was 
almost the identical cover of a real band's called The Sacrifice. So it was like a metal band, but they couldn't use their shit, so they just stole it, essentially, by calling it The Sacrifix. Right. So he plays the record backwards, which is the typical trope, which I feel like, you know, there's only so many movies that play a record backwards to, like, either bring demons about or destroy them. Like, like uh, what was that one movie you watched for Halloween? Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I like that one. I think it's cool. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to get that on Blu-ray. So I haven't picked it up. <laughs> he plays it backwards to, like, talk to the guy. <laughs> That's so silly. But wouldn't it be great to have that fucking record? Right. That'd just be to not... have it? Like, yeah. even if it wasn't legit, just to have the cover and everything? So somebody needs to make that. You guys on that? Right, because it was almost like when they're flipping through it, they have all these, like, intricate, like, pictures of demons and certain... Uh, rituals and shit like that. It was almost like looking through the Necronomicon. Right. And it was really cool. One of my favorite scenes was there was a scene where, I won't say how, but the main character that Stephen Dorff plays, he gets an eye on the palm of his hand, almost like he's infected with evil. There's a couple of tropes, I think, nods towards Evil Dead. Right. Evil Evil Dead 1 or 2, 1 and 2 of The Gate, by the way. They do a couple of nods, but I think this is one of them in a way. But there's an eye, and he stabs the eye with a piece of glass. And that scene freaked me out as a kid. Like, I was just like, ugh. <laughs> like, what I, why would he stab the eye in his hand? Like, would it hurt? Like, I was always, like, thinking, like, would that hurt him? Like, is it his own eye? Like, could he see himself with his own hand? Like, a third eye? You know, like, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. I would like to know the symbolism behind that, because there had to be a reason why... That scene exists. I don't know. They didn't really explain it, but that hand that they show with the eye on it isn't actually a kid's hand. It's actually one of the special effects guys named Random William Cook. He was a supervisor, special effects supervisor of the film. Oh. So, as as is the eye. So, it was his eye, his hand. Huh. So, it was shot basically in, later in a studio and he also worked in on the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, Ghostbusters, Puppet Master, The Thing, and many other FX crazy films. And this is a movie that, like we said before, was no CGI. So, like, I thought they did some really cool stuff. Typically, when they try to do some sort of special effects stuff like this, you can always kind of see the flaws and stuff. The only other movie that I know that did stuff like this would be Alien 3, because they used CGI claymation and puppeteering right but they failed to match him up so you could could, yeah yeah, you could totally tell which was what but that was early too early ahead of time for themselves right for cgi like they had the money but it just didn't have the right yeah didn't have it down right Mm -mm. because there was too much dark area you could tell it was almost like it was lighter than the film Mm -hmm. it was weird in the alien movie you're talking about right do you have any favorite uh, scenes, and we'll go on to the second one? I think probably my, my favorite scene that leads into my other favorite scene but is uh, there's a point where they get freaked out because the de- after the hands start coming out of the bed, they start running around the house. They try to go out the backyard. There's more of these little miniature demons. Right. So they go back inside, so they try to go back the front door. And when they run out the front door they see their parents coming home from the trip that they had oh, went on. Oh, yeah. 
and he runs up to his dad to hug him, and he's hugging him, and he's like, his dad's like, you've been bad. Starts choking him. Right. It's like, you've been bad. You've been bad. <laughs> and he, like, pushes on his dad's face, and his dad's face is collapses like in a on cadbury itself. egg dude oh yeah just smashes in like it's fucking crazy it's really bad and then like but it's cool as shit oh like, it I, really is it's like i was thinking when they did that scene too i was like man like on paper that just seems so fucking bananas you know what i mean right. like like that a kid would be seeing this but i guess they were able to keep it in it was one of nankin's things it so. was it worked well and then the, there's a point where they go back to the house and they're still freaking out and someone calls on the phone. Oh, yeah, and it's the same dad. It's yeah, he's like, voice. you've been bad. And then yeah. the whole phone melts on the wall. And it just looks fucking really fucking cool. And they did a really good job of matching it up. It's funny. It's like, what they got, guys, what they did is like they melted this phone upside down and then videotaped it so it looked like it was facing up. And so you see this like almost like wax phone melt with a lot of heat on it, they probably had like a big, heavy, hot air blower right. just to melt it like or something. Like a heat gun or something. Right. And then you see it on the wall later after it happens, and it looks almost identical to what they did on another piece. It was almost like they took a shot on a separate wall and then matched it up to make it look like on the other wall, and it was like seamless. It was. Like, they did really good identical work here. Like, I was pretty impressed by that. Oh, yeah. It's just weird, small attention to detail like that that just makes it so much more believable. Even though you know that there's claymation or animation of some sort, it's like it didn't really detract from it. No, not at all. So, one of my other favorite scenes that I always kind of trip me out in the movie, besides the ones we've already talked about, was when his somebody, I won't say who gets stabbed in the face with a Barbie doll. And oh, yeah. he squeaks. He's like, like, and it was fucking scary. He comes out with all these buck teeth like he's a fucking bunny ready to bite his yeah, face Yeah, or off. like a rat or something. And then his sister comes out and just jams the legs, the feet of a fucking Barbie doll into this kid's eye. And then he just like sucks back into the closet. And it was so fucking scary to me when I was a kid. I was like, Jesus. Like, I don't want anything like that coming out of my closet. Well, that's another one of my fears. Like you said, they played, they placated to a lot of fears. Like, underneath really the did. bed, the closet. Those are two of the main things Nankin that kids really that, fear yeah. when they're going to bed. It, it, it was brilliant. Yeah, I think they did, they, they did more in that movie for things to be scared of as a kid than I think most movies would dare. Right. Like, they'll, like, sort of, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, like, almost like they intend to make it that way, but they don't go that far. Right. Like, it was so balls to the wall for its time, I think. So, but there was a sequel, and it is up for debate, I think, for a lot of people, whether or not that sequel is worth seeing or not. I think the general consensus is that the Gate 2, known as the Trespassers, or the Fisher, if you're French. It came out about three years later, 1990. Oh, yeah. I remember going to the theater. I remember who I went to the theater with. And I remember going, and it was just me and him. And my mom bought us the tickets because we were, t you know, young, too young to go see it. Okay. I'm trying to think if it was 1990, I was about 13 years old when I saw that movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that movie was kind of. 
That's pretty dark for a kid to yeah. see at 13, I guess, you know? It was out there. It touched on a lot of bases, you know? Especially, like, Satanism and demons and shit like that. Oh, heavy. Human sacrifice. It's fuck. The sequel is not as good as the first one, but if you were a fan of the first one, you'll eat this one up just as much as you did the first one. It doesn't have the necessarily the same tone, but it elaborates on it in a lot of ways, almost like Phantasm 1 and 2 did. Okay. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I can see like, that. Like, the first one of Phantasm, I always consider to be one of the best for, like, its initial mystery and scare and uniqueness. But the second one elaborated on it to go a little bit further. It wasn't as good as the first, but it did a lot more. It showed you a lot more of its world. And I think Gate 2... The Trespassers is probably that kind of movie. Yeah. I see a lot of similarities in the second gate as I do to the second Phantasm. Oh, really? I don't know why. And if anybody else feels me on this, please sound off in the comments because I don't know what it is. There's just certain tones that I get, like when they're warping in between dimensions. It reminds me of them labyrinth, or labyrinth, as in Phantasm. This was also, like I said, directed by Tibor Takas. And Michael Nankin came back and did the characters. And he also wrote the entire story for this one, too. So you pretty much get the same group of people, same tone, tonality was there. Only Stephen Dorff did not come back to this one. But Louis Tripp stayed. We had Simon Reynolds, James Villamere. And the love interest in the movie was Pamela All Adlin. Her name was Liz uh, in the movie. But you said you've seen her in other stuff. What did you see oh, her yeah. in? Oh, yeah. i seen her in... Um, I think the first thing I remember seeing her was uh, Louis C.K.'s first syndicated series, which was on HBO, mm-hmm. which I think it was Life with Louis, something like that. I can't remember. It was something with... But it was before he did his actual Louis show. And it had even the same comedians that were in Louis in this previous show okay it was it was just fun well they probably bought the show and then right and this re he probably branded it or something right exactly but yeah she was pretty cool i thought she was like kind of like the hip hard cool kind of girl i guess in a oh, way yeah, with, a, with a nice heart yeah know? um to give you guys kind of an idea about the story where this takes off is pretty much directly i think it's three or two 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 or three years after the first movie it would have to be, yeah, like th- two, three or four, maybe. Yeah, it was weird. Like, they must have been like 13 or 12. Or they're supposed to, it seemed like they were like eight or nine. But in the movie, the second movie, he seems like he's like 16. Right. Yeah, like 16, 17. So around it's there. like, and it's, they say it's two years later, but it's like he did a lot of growing three yeah. years later. But the story is 14 summon forth a demonic minion from the other side to do their bidding. And grant their wishes. But of course, they must ultimately pay the price. This one gets a little wilder. Yeah. It it, it kind of steps out of reality a little bit. They are able to kind of make wishes and shit in this one. Which is interesting. I thought it was cool. They do make wishes and shit. <laughs> yeah, it's shit. <laughs> Literal shit. What did you think, though? I mean, do you... It, like, what did you think of this one, this movie? You know, I remember bits and pieces of this movie from my childhood. I remember seeing it late one night when I was a kid, and I always just remember certain aspects of this film, and I always would try to talk to people about them, and they never knew what I was talking about until 
I met you, and you're like, no, that's the gate too, right? And then I was like, because I think you were telling me you were like, oh yeah, I've seen the gate, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 that's the gate too, right? Yeah, but no, I I like this movie. I mean, I think this one had more of a kind of happy go lucky kind of feel to the the ending at least, right? Than the first one. But all in all, I thought I thought it was okay. Definitely not as good as the first movie, but in its own right, a good movie. It takes it a step further. It, it like totally. I feel like Don Coscarelli and Tibor, or Michael Nankin, maybe, and like all of them could have like a three or foursome, right? Because it just feels like it comes from the same like brood or same like vat of horror. It definitely had a lot of good cinematography. Lots of great like unique shots. Yeah, they were pretty cool. Yeah, I thought I thought some of the characters in this were actually really good. I personally think that the second movie gets a gets a fucking bad rap. Right. Because if you're a fan of the first one, these kids are going to grow up, so it's not going to be the same fucking movie. Yeah. So they're going to grow up, so it's going to be natural teenage hijinks. But in this movie, Terrence is the lead star, and it gets into his life and his father and his problems with his dad, who lost his job as a pilot, and he's like this failed drunk, and he's like, Dad, I'm going to you know fix everything. You know, the problem that was... With what happened, I haven't talked to you about all these things that happened at Glenn's house, but some really crazy things happened, and I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm I'm here that I think I realize now that we did it, we just did it wrong. So I'm going to do it right this time and make things better for everyone. So, of course, he goes out, sets up this elaborate fucking computer with lasers and all this other shit in the house that his friend left because it was obviously fucked after the first movie. Oh, yeah. But he builds this, like, whole computer grid and does, like, all these seances and, like, paints his hands and, like, has all these herbs. And he does this, like, perfect ceremony. And all of a sudden, a couple of fucking kids stumble upon, like, some other teenagers that are older than him they go to the same school as him, stumble upon this house and see him trying to do some sort of demon satanic shit. And he's like, it's not Satanism. Satanism's for pussies. <laughs> he's like, this is fucking for demons. I'm summoning demons or something like that, right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting where they took it with this movie. Uh, it does go a little cheese dick. Yeah. But there's some really cool scenes, some really creative things that they did because essentially these wishes that they make in this ceremony once they com- they start it come true. They they capture one of these little minions, but he shoots it in the chest, he saves it, and then it comes back to life and they realize that they can make wishes by burning things in front of it so that they burn like a paper sun and say they want it to be sunny outside and then the sun comes up. Yeah. And then they start wishing for bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger things. But then they literally have a shelf life. And once the wish is up, everything that they wished for turns to shit. Literally shit. Yeah, literally <laughs> shit. But there was some cool shit with it, I thought. Oh, like yeah. how they did it. I think one of my, probably my favorite scenes, once they figured out that they can do all this shit and wish for stuff, the girl is now hanging out with... Uh, Terrence. Terrence. Starts hanging out with Terrence. And gets really pissed off. Breaks into Terrence's house, steals the demon, and right. decides to make wishes of his own. 
Right. That's where it gets fun. Yeah, it gets really fun. So, like, of course... He's like, f- I want more of these, bitch. <laughs> right. And, and he, he burns a fucking, like, dollar bill, and then they get, like, thousands of dollars. Right. And that has to be one of my favorite scenes, because after they get all this money, they go to this the fanciest, posh restaurant they could find... They're just, you know, greasy metalheads, and they're like, why'd you let him in? Yeah, it reminds me of uh, uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah. In the beginning, where they're, like, being complete ridiculous assholes. Yeah. In the beginning, it's like, how much for your daughter? <laughs> like, that, it reminds me of the Blues Brothers scene in a way. It's almost like they were paying an homage to it. Yeah. It goes back to this table that he doesn't know why he's waiting on him. And the guy asks, what did he say? Give me the largest order of escargots. Yeah. <laughs> the waiter sees that he has a wad of cash. Right. Like hundreds upon hundreds Yeah, like upon thousands hundreds. of dollars on him. Right. So he's like, oh, I'm going to make some money tonight. Yeah. But I forgot to mention, while they're on the way to this restaurant, and before they make that wish, they got the demon in a sack. Right. And, and there, there's one of them sitting in the back, and then the main guy's sitting in the front. Yeah. And in the gay, they were smoking on a joint, and they think it's funny as shit. And they're telling the demon to shut the fuck up, and they're, like, punching the bag. And, right. like, the dude takes a fucking major rip off his joint and is, like, clam bakes the shit out of the bag. And the demon's just, like, not having it. Yeah, he blows it in the bag, and then the fucking demon, the little minion thing, gets, like, fucking crazy. Mo blows into the sack. And I love Mo's character for whatever reason. I thought he did a great he job. He did. He was just play this stupid kind of like fun guy, kind of like know. lovable dope. Yeah, they were character. like they had all the New York accents in a way. Yeah, but yeah, when he blows into that sack, dude, that shit was fucking hilarious. And they're all like driving down the road at like sixty miles an hour while fucking like not even driving. Right. The car just like <laughs> apparently can drive for five minutes. While everybody's fumbling around in the car, which is interesting. Right, because the, the demon gets out after they blow the hit in and fucking just starts going to town on these guys, biting them, scratching them, you know. Right. But it was funny because before that, remember, they finally get a hold of this demon and they, like, they literally find the smallest, like, threads of fabric to, like, gag him and bind him. Yeah, like, tie his arms back and And shit. for some reason, they throw him in the trunk as well. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Why? Well, he punches the shit out of that minion. Oh, yeah. And it's all face is all fucked up. Like, it's like, hey. <laughs> I mean, his face is already fucked up, but it, it looks way more fucked up after he punches it. Right. And it feels really wrong that he just hit that minion, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like something should have been on the set, like a demon, some sort of liaison. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was really cruel shit. I think one of my favorite scenes has got to be when John who's the boyfriend of the girl who's kind of falling in love with Terrence. Right. She's falling in love with him because they make all these wishes together and have a really good time together. And then he stops her on the road. He's like, what are you doing? You're trying to cheat on me? Are you seeing other people? And then, like, she's like, stop, silly. I love you. You know, like, it's so cheesy. And then uh, she kisses him, and then he gets John gets back in the car with his sidekick Mo, and he's like, "Fuck, man, chicks, dude, fucking chicks." He's like, <laughs> "Who needs demons when you got chicks, bro?" <laughs> like, how fucking st- 
stupid and awesome is that? That's awesome, yeah. That's such a great line. That's almost, that's like ranked up there with uh, Night of Demons. Right. Eat oh, yeah. a bowl of fuck. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really like, I don't know. I don't know why, but that's just one of those lines that you just can't forget. Right, it's it's really good. Like, thrill me. <laughs> you know, from Night of the like, Creeps. Thrill me, detective. Yeah, thrill me. But anyway, uh, there is one more scene that I would like probably to mention, and it's kind of hard to pick. But there is one scene where one of the minions is like sitting on a, a swing, oh, uh, in, a, in a fucking like hamster cage, and he's just like sitting on it. And he's like kicking his legs, and it's so silly and so fucking funny to me. Right. Like it was just like it just doesn't feel like it fits, but it does. <laughs> uh. It, it was pretty funny. I fucking, I, yeah, I love that. Other than that, though, I mean, I think I think this movie gets a bad rap. It's not as good as the first one. No. We know that Bill S. Preston Esquire, Alex Winter has been trying to make this a remake of the first film for a long time. It was supposed to get made in 2009 as a 3D movie. Alex Winter has been pushing this. This is one of his favorite movies. Which gives me mad respect for him. Because, oh, yeah. But in a way, it's like, oh, don't remake it. But like in a way, it's like, there's not really any other movies like this. It doesn't really offend me too much. I would just love to see like an updated version of it. Although a lot of the stuff that Alex Winter has directed is a little campy and a little too silly. Oh, yeah. But I think that he would take this one seriously. I think this would be, I think that's what he's hoping for with this movie. And ever since then, I mean, we really, we've heard news bump up every once in a while about it. Probably more about Bill and Ted's three because him and Keanu are working on it. But I would be not opposed to Alex Winter directing it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't like producing it, whatever. Right. I would like to see an updated version of it. And it'd probably be, uh, Interesting, to say the least. Uh, I mean, it'd be cool to see a third one, maybe. But I think it would be done so cheesy that it probably would probably be better just to reboot the whole goddamn thing. Right. And then if it was successful, make a franchise. But I don't think it'll get a franchise. I think it's too weird for people. Like, I think it's too over the top in their minds. Right. Like, I don't know. There's like a certain type of brood that people expect from mainstream movies, but... I would love to see it. I wish it would. It would. They would push this shit out at some point, because I love this franchise, and I'm so glad Vestron Lionsgate's side project thingy that they're doing that's like Scream Factory to bring back all these movies that Lionsgate has held prisoner. Uh, but in the same respect, it's like, why didn't you just put out part one and two? So I wonder if there's some sort of music rights. Yeah, there has or to be some something kind of weird. stipulations or something. Yeah, like they couldn't get the rights to the second film because they should have put out The Gate 1 and 2 as a, a collector's, collector's edition. Yeah, yeah like, like they did with, How- or, uh, not House, Waxwork 1 and 2. Right. And I hope that Part 2 gets its fucking fair shot at at least a Blu-ray. It'll probably be by the time 4K's like totally fucking everyone in the mouth you know what i mean like it's already on its way it's already fucking poking his head out Mm -hmm. and people are licking the tip so it's like it's just a matter of time before you get thrush i think (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry uh but yeah so what would you rate each one of these um the gate is a classic to me it hits a very high mark for me because of that nostalgia so for me the first one is a nine 
And the second one is a nice eight for me because it's while it's cheesy and stupid, I could watch I've watched I can watch those movies like two, three times a year. Okay. I would have to say the first movie probably like eight point five. Second one maybe just seven point five. That's a little bit lower. Yeah. But as far as eighties movies go, they're they're must watch. I grew up with Gate. Funny because like when I'm on Horror Amino and we're like chatting in the chat rooms, yes, you guys hear me. You know who you're talking where we're talking about, but when we're in the chat rooms, it's like interesting to see what other people like because everybody likes a little something different. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting to know what makes a horror fan, you know, like what makes somebody interested in horror. It could be because it scared them. It could be because it's just creative. It could be that it's just weird. It could be that you just like torture revenge. Like everybody, there's just a different type of horror fan. I'd like to think of myself as like, I like a lot of different things, and I can get into whatever. It's just a particular mood right? that I might be in. It's like we watch Swords and Horror, which we absolutely loved. Right. But not every horror fan's into that kind of shit. I feel like we're pretty well-rounded. We like a lot of different stuff. But for me, particularly, if I had to pick, I always pick the weird, practical effects, crazy shit. And those movies always stick with me. That's kind of where I gravitate towards, too. I just really like the practical effects and very that whole vibe that they right. put out in the 80s. There's, you just don't see shit like that anymore. They don't take risk like that anymore. Because no. It's, because it costs too much to make a movie. Makes It costs too much to make a picture. <laughs> <laughs> a picture film. Well, I'm glad I got to watch it with you. Yeah, it was As fun. your first time. So that's kind of cool. I feel like I kind of like broke your... He broke my cherry. Your gate cherry. Yeah. <laughs> I, like slurped it up with a straw. <laughs> and a lot of bad dreams. Oh, man. <laughs> anyway, that's it for our Who Needs Demons. Sorry. Anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this little segment. If there's a particular uh, segment that you enjoy most, let us know in the comments below. Also, don't forget the contest that we got going on. All you got to do is come up with a fake movie title. We just need two. We need two. We're going to put it on a fucking see and say, which is like the, the cow goes moo. <laughs> We're going to put all of the names around that. There's about 12 entries that we would need for that, and we need two more. So seriously, it's simple as just coming up with a name, and then we'll send you out a free fucking card or a free Blu-ray of your choice. What could you possibly do wrong? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. If you haven't already, please be sure to follow us on our all of our social media and check out longlivethevoid.com where you can find all of the shit that we talk about and more. So, but yeah, man, it was a good episode. I enjoyed this one. Two of my favorite movies. How can we go wrong? I got to pop your cherry. <laughs> I think I just want to dig a hole in the backyard cap. and try to find a geode. <laughs> Maybe play a record backwards. What do you guys think? I got a Kiss album in my house. We'll do it. Let's play that record backwards. For sure. It's a message for the suckers. <laughs> All right, nice. guys. We'll see you next week on Monday. Have Thanks a good for stopping week. by. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode. 
Yeah, yeah, we changed the name already. 